I'm back with episode 11 of the Sip the Telly podcast. Here with a good friend of mine, Jeff Martin from XOS Sports. How you doing today, Jeff? Good, man. Thanks for coming. And for uh, we've been friends for a long time. I think Jeff is the the um, the longest Floridian I've known because I, even though I knew my wife in high school, we went we were from Mississippi. So me and Jeff and I have been pretty much communicating in some way, uh, shape, or form since probably 07, 08, maybe. So we're yeah. up and up. Yeah. And um, how'd you get started with the, well, first of all, let's talk about your coaching situation here in Tallahassee. How'd you start coaching? Um, well, I started in 1992 at Immokalee High School down in Southwest Florida. Um, coached there for four years and had the privilege of having Edron James. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the team so that kind of ruins you as a coach having something like that your first four years then I moved to Daytona coached there for eight years lucky enough to win a state championship in Mainland High School in 03 and then had the chance to come back to Tallahassee to coach at my alma mater I was the defensive coordinator at Leon for three years and then went to Lincoln and then ended up my career at Godby okay at uh, Mainland were you there when uh Vince Carter was there? Nope. He was around when I was in the Daytona area. Okay. And when I was coaching at Mainland, he would come to games, uh-huh. but he wouldn't come to watch football. He'd come by the girls. No, he came. He was the drum, <laughs> drum major, major for the sure band. Was. Sure so was. he would come and watch the band, and then he would leave. Okay. So, <laughs> Sound like a swag game. Yes. <laughs> and uh, coaching Edwin James, how was that? It was great. I mean, at a small town, I mean, we were a 3A school, so you had to coach varsity and JV. So I was the defensive coordinator on the JV while he was on my JV team his freshman year. I mean, you knew as soon as he walked on the field the first time that that kid was special. And he played, um, I think we had six ball games. He may have had 1,600 yards rushing. And, you know, his next year, his sophomore year, you know, we had two other great backs. So we ran kind of a wing T version. Well, he was our starting fullback and our starting safety mm-hmm. is his sophomore year. And then his junior year, he moved. we went to the I, of course, with him. <laughs> he had to go to the I. And he was our starting tailback and Sam linebacker. And what I tell people all the time is there was one game against Riverdale High School where he had 300-plus yards rushing, six touchdowns, had 15-plus tackles on defense, kicked every extra point, every kickoff, and had a 35-yard field goal. Wow. Yeah, he was he was special. Tremendous athlete. Yes. How did you get into the uh, business of doing cut-ups? Especially when, um, like I said, when we first met, because I was sending them directly to you via VHS. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, and uh, when my son was born in 1999, uh, I was coaching in Daytona. And, I mean, as you know, coaches and teachers don't make much money Not in much Florida. At all. You're right. And that was, he was my second child, and, and it was it was cheaper to have my wife stay home she was a park ranger for the state and keep the kids than it was to put two in daycare. So um, I had a buddy of mine that ran high tech video Georgia in Florida. And so I started doing high tech video Alabama, Mississippi and Louisiana and just started my own company because back then there was none of this early recruiting. Mm-hmm. They didn't want the junior film cut ups until signing day of the seniors. Right. So we could coach and do all of our cut-ups and get them going and uh, and everything. So I just started doing that, and it just festered on from there. Did, um, at that time, were you able to, like, get the bulk of your work done when the season was over with between that Christmas break? Yeah, well, I would do a lot of it during Christmas ba- break, you know, the top kids, and then I would just keep going. And, you know, of course, back then, we were bare, we were still sending out VHS right, tapes. Right, And uh, then we slowly moved into DVDs and things like that. But, you know, it was... It was a very big, cumbersome 
thing to send out, you know, put the labels on the mm-hmm. tapes and put, I mean, because we used to have to cut it up, put the arrow on it, and then go back because we'd put black screen between the players and we'd have to go back and get on PowerPoint and run a, a title screen and put it on there and I'd have to go back and put that in. So, yeah, it's come a long way since then. Yeah, I remember getting the first package from you. I think it was a box of about probably 20 VHS tapes, you know, labeled already um, with, with you guys' logo and the games that we were supposed to see and whatnot. And I took it as an opportunity to get exposure for my kids. So mm-hmm. that's why I jumped all in with it and pretty much gave you whatever you asked for. Even I remember even recording those uh, state championship games. Yes, and sending them over. So, yep. um, you know, that was fun for me. I felt like it was something that would benefit our kids and that at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess you've just grown from there. Yeah. Um, as far as, uh, what did you love the most about coaching? I love being around the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really like the game planning of it all. Mm-hmm. You know, it tickled you pink when you'd stop a high-powered offense and, and things like that. Uh, you know, like my last year at Lincoln, you know, when we went to the state championship game, you know, Fort Walton Beach was averaging so many points, so many yards on offense. And, you know, we shut them. We came up with a new scheme and ran it against them because they ran that Tony Franklin system. Mm-hmm. And it was great just scheming it and then, you know, watching them execute, watching them execute and shut it down. And we beat the heck out of them. And then what was even better was a couple of years later. Mark Wilson, who was our Sam linebacker at Lincoln, who went to play at Troy, Troy. Mm-hmm. where Tony Franklin coached. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Troy ended up playing against Tony after he left, and they ran the same type of defense that we had run. Okay. And with the same little nuances that we did, and he called me up saying, man, you wouldn't believe it, Coach. So it's Mark always – Mark called you up. Oh, yeah, Mark mm-hmm. called me up and told me about it. So it was – that that was the thing that I really enjoyed uh, about coaching. Okay, and what about your uh, your your biggest victory? You know, being a part of as a coach, uh, the Mainland State Championship. Okay. I mean, that was, you know, we were number two in the state, and Miami Edison was number one, and Shamanad Madonna came up and beat us to death that last week of the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, they. I mean, they had some power five tight ends, big boys and stuff, and they really pounded us, and it really uh, got us going for the playoffs. And to beat Naples in the state championship, because that's the same county Immokalee's mm-hmm. from, so I've been – I grew up in Immokalee. I, you know, I know Naples, and to, to shut down that split back veer was, was something special. <laughs> been better if it wasn't in Florida. Florida field, but <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, uh, is Edron James the probably? Would you say probably the best player you've coached, or one of the best players? You've He's coached? one of the best. Now, there's a kid that I had at Mainland that started for me at Atlantic as a freshman as safety, that started for me for a couple years, and then when I went on to go to Mainland, he ended up coming over his senior year, and. Um, his name was Keelan Johnson, mm-hmm. and he ended up going from a mediocre team to winning the state championship, being all-state first team, and signing with Georgia. And then he was a Georgia captain and started at Georgia for two years. And, and you know, I, I get a phone call, you know, every couple months. Hey, coach, just want to tell you I love you. He was just great athlete and a great kid all around. Yeah, that, those calls and, and letters and text messages and things like that, what makes uh, us not getting paid much yes. makes it it, it it all worth it. Because I got a, a message maybe a year after I left Natchez from a kid that, you know, telling me how 
how much I pushed him, how much I uh, I felt like a, a father figure toward him, and it, it almost broke me down. But I know mm-hmm. I just stayed on his case. Yep. I, I made sure he studied. Uh, I, I talked to some girls to, to help him study, mm-hmm. and just you know, because I knew that's what, what would keep his attention. Right. And he ended up, you know, he he got out of the Natchez with a decent uh, GPA, graduated, had an opportunity to play some college football, played. Uh, I think a year of JUCO, but he ended up he's not after that because you know we were a spread. They ran the wing tee and JUCO right. he went to. Yeah. So he kind of feels that after that. Uh, what do you hate about coaching? <laughs> um. By the end of the career, it was more of the administration mm-hmm. uh, being political and things like that, underhanded stuff, mm-hmm. things like that. That really drove me to where it was. It wasn't fun anymore. Right. And. Um, you know, the teaching part, you know, I was a phys ed major. I hadn't taught phys ed since I was at Pine Ridge in 1997. <laughs> I was in special ed mm-hmm. at Godby, and, and I had left Leon because I was special ed to go to Lincoln, where I was the DCT coordinator, which was the best job that I ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, by the, by the end of it, it was, you know, I never had problems with parents or anything. It's just the administration of the back door and, mm-hmm. you know, stabbing you in the back and things like that that really drove yeah, and- me off. Because I don't want to feel like I put you on the spot with that, so I'm going to answer that question myself. And I, I really hate anybody that shows they're not for the kids. Right. Anybody that's that's a me or I person, I mean, if you're coaching your, your time or if you're principal, your time is, is pretty much over with. Mm-hmm. Every decision you make needs to be for the kids. And when I see that out of people, that's uh, kind of what pulls me away from from. And that's kind of what I hate about the business. But, you know, I'm, I'm in it for the kids because I took a huge pay cut to come down here. Yes. But, you know, I so it's, 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 it's a kid thing. And, you know, and I got a thousand sons, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, I treat them all as, as just like mine. So anybody that I feel like doing them wrong or don't have their best interests in mind, that's, that's what I hate about the kids. Well, I mean, by the end of my career, I had more fun coaching girls flag football than I did, you know, the boys, mm-hmm. you know, because the girls, they listen, mm-hmm. you know, they're not all thinking they're five stars and things like that. And, you know, it was, you know, I was lucky enough to win a state championship at Leon and, mm-hmm. you know, I turned around Godby to where my old quarterback at Leon's now the head coach and doing real well there and, and, and stuff. So by the end of it, you know, I didn't even coach football my last year teaching. Mm-hmm. I resigned to be the head golf coach and head girls flag football. And I so. think when I met you, you were doing flag football. Yes. Or you had just finished coaching. But what you just said about girls flag football is almost exactly what Coach Yeoman said. Yeah. He uh, he said the girls, you know, they want the want the knowledge, want the information, mm-hmm. and, they, and they hungry. Whereas boys come in, they, they've studied the game, they know the game, well, they think they know the they game. Think, yeah. And, and want to do that type of stuff. Well, they, they also want to learn more about football because it gives them something more to talk to their daddies and boyfriends mm-hmm. about. So they're they're soaking everything in. I mean, when I had film study after a game or something, they were in, they weren't falling asleep like the boys do. Right. <laughs> you know, you got to throw things at the boys to wake them up. Girls, man, they were you know all on it. Mm-hmm. And of course, this was way before huddle, so right. <laughs> you know you never had to worry about them watching it offsite. But you know that they were they were fun to. To coach. Okay. Uh, how'd you find your way to XOS? Uh, that last year at Godby, mm-hmm. um, I had called, um, XOs had uh, purchased about five recruiting services across the country. And unfortunately, mine and my buddies wasn't one of them. <laughs> but, um, but I called the guy who was running it, who was a friend of mine. And 
when my buddy with High Tech Video Florida had passed away suddenly. So I called him to talk to him about it, and he was talking how unsatisfied they were with who they had covering the Southeast and if I would be interested. And I said, sure, I'd be interested. You know, I was had that bitter taste in my mouth about the football and coaching and stuff and and teaching and everything. So, you know, they said, come up with a number. And I gave them a number and they gave it to me. And I turned my letter of resignation in the next week. <laughs> hey, it's no, nothing sweeter than that when you when you want to be wanted or you have that feel to be wanted. Yes. When they come looking for you. And um, I told um, a friend of mine that he was battling with uh, whether to leave a job or not. And he got the phone call saying, hey, they want me to do X, Y, Z. I said, well, you can pretty much write your own number when you do right. that. And, you know, he went up there and had a good time. Well, that, you know, that's that was, you know, the hardest decision of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, you get I've coached for 20 years, taught for 20 years. You're vested 20 years in the Florida retirement system. And, you know, I was tenured. I, I was grandfathered in with tenure, you know, and, and everything. So you never had to worry about your job technically. Right. And everything to take a big leap. And, you know, it was a it was a major discussion with my wife because it was a big leap, mm-hmm. you know, and and, you know, it's worked out. Right. And, you know, and see things the way that they're going right now with with high school and football and stuff like that. And the teaching of what y'all got to do now. I'm really <laughs> glad I'm out. I and mean, sometimes you have to take that, that yeah. blind leap of faith, mm-hmm. and, you know, just let him lead you where you're supposed to be. And it looked like it worked out for you. Mm-hmm. I, I know I'm, I'm proud of what you're doing and the setup that you have. And I'm just looking to, to learn more about it myself. Uh, let's talk about that prospect survey. Yes. Um, I know you have a website where you want kids to kind of go in and fill it out. But what, let's talk about that for a minute. XOSprofile.com that that gives you a chance to put in all your information from academics to your home address to cell numbers to uh, parents' names, your desired major, all that kind of stuff so the colleges can see it. All of our stuff is locked behind a firewall that only the college coaches have access. So, you know, I get kids all the time. How many stars do I have? Where's my profile page? We don't do any of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's only for the colleges because the colleges use us because we are unbiased. You know, a coach is going to say his kid's a D1 kid. You know, this kid's a power five kid. This kid's a mid-major. We look at, we watch the kids. We evaluate them. We give them ratings of what level we think they can. And we're not biased. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't care that they play at Lincoln or Godby or Leon or Rick. You know, so we're an unbiased opinion about that. So as much information as they can give us, the better, because that's the way the colleges. I mean, even if you don't give us your Twitter, we're going to go find it. Right. And, you know, because the colleges want to see how you act Mm -hmm. and they want to see, you know, if you're putting stupid things on Twitter or Facebook or Snapchat Mm -hmm. or any of that kind of stuff, because, I mean, there's kids that lose scholarship offers all the time because of things they post on Twitter. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. What, um... How many colleges do you serve? That's that's a uh, right now uh, about two hundred plus. Two hundred, and that's all levels. That's all levels from D three. I was on the phone with a Division two school today from uh, Michigan that uh, got our Florida stuff and is wanting more. Okay, um, so for any athletes out there listening, make sure you go to that website, fill out that survey, and that starts. Uh, well, not, not necessarily starts your recruiting process, but can help your recruiting process if you have the tape to go along with yeah, what you think you have. And that's the thing is it's free exposure mm-hmm. for you. You know, it's what I tell the kids all the time. I said, you may be uh, a Division One player and you may have an offer or two. This just gives you more 
of an exposure all across the country, not just the southeast or whatever. I talked to a kid last Thursday in Troy that was a big offensive defensive lineman that was just there to watch his team play in seven on seven. I've been asking him on Twitter for years for his home address, and there he was. Boom, I got it. And I said, I know you're you're committed to Troy, but I need to have that information just in case somebody wants – because there's teams that come in late. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially with the the way recruiting is set up now, mm-hmm. with that early signing period, oh yeah, you can um you know not be on somebody's radar, and then when they lose out on the guy, be there the next day. Oh you yeah, you jump from number five to number two real quick on the real recruiting quick. board. Um, you attend a bunch of camps during the summer, right? Yes. Uh, I think you just came back from one, mm-hmm. you know, re- uh, this weekend. Uh, what do you think about kids that maybe a Division two or, or a mid-major player going to camps at bigger schools? Do you think they should really go to the camps where they have a legitimate shot of playing? The, the last few years, I would say no. You're just contributing to the pot right. to give the GAs money. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I've seen a transition now with this early signing period where these kids can take official visits and stuff that they're not necessarily coming to the camps anymore. So they're having prospect camps, mm-hmm. you know, like your South Alabama's, your Troy's, even Florida State had prospect camps where they're actually watching everybody. Now, in years past, it would be the Florida State staff or the Florida staff would invite kids to the camp and that's who they would be with. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else that contributed to oh, the pot would go with the with the other to the GAs or the players mm-hmm. that were coaching. Yeah. Now it's changed a little bit with this early signing. And also I went to the Mercer mega camp mm-hmm. earlier in June and there were 1,800 kids, and they had about 300 for each session. And there was about 30 to 40 college staffs there, not college coaches, staff. 30 to four, 30 to 40 staff, whole staffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had Harbaugh there from Michigan with five or six of his guys, um, you know, but some of the mid-major guys, even Division II schools, had their whole staff there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was talking to Jim Levitt from Oregon, and he's like, this is crazy. I can't do anything thing with this because it was only him and another guy right you needed to have the whole staff there and kids got offers from it i mean uh mid-major kids that didn't have any offers all of a sudden got mid-major georgia Mm -hmm. southern offers and stuff because their entire staff was there troy had coaches there i mean it was it was quite impressive i mean not a lot of time you know it was about two hours per session Mm -hmm. but with the whole staff there they can concentrate on their positions and and funnel through all that so you know, it, it's a ama- to find camps like that. Like Kennesaw State had mm-hmm. one, Samford had one, uh, Mercer had one. Those are the big boys here in the South that mm-hmm. have them. I think those are very beneficial for the kids, no matter what level, because all the levels are there. Right. But as far as a kid that's, you know, a Division two kid that you think is a football coach. He doesn't need to be wasting his time going to a Florida State camp. Right. That, if that's, he's, that's if he's a junior. Summer. Right. If he's a sophomore, there's still a chance for him to get better and mm-hmm. things like that, maybe to catch their eye on things. Mm-hmm. You know, like there was a kid last year at the Florida State camp that caught Florida State's eye from Louisiana, and they offered him, you know, it, because of what he did in, during that camp. Then they ended up dropping him, mm-hmm. you know, halfway through last season. And he I forget where he ended up going. 
another power five school, but nobody knew much about them, even though I had them in the system and had them rated pretty good. (laughs) Now, speaking on that point you just made, I remember going to Mississippi State 7-on-7 a couple years ago, Mm -hmm. and we would have, um, like, Natchez or Louisville or Brandon. Mm -hmm. There was always one team that was made up of this guy, this guy, and this guy, and they all played together. And those were the guys that they were looking at. And I, I kind of forgot about that until you said that. So we basically, it basically was a team count. Then you had this all-star team of seven-on-seven guys that most of them ended up going to Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, Chad Bumpers. You remember that name? Yep. Chad Bumpers was on one of those teams, and uh, we played them uh, early, like before they got a chance to jail or whatever. And we, we beat them pretty good. And uh, we got a DB that's about... 5-4 that kind of shut him down and so like one of the last players of the game Chad Bumpus uh, ran a corner route but the quarterback threw it at the goal post he adjusted his corner route and went and caught the ball how he did that I don't know but it was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen And um, but I, that, that thought made me remember how they used to put those kids to the side and watch them and then go to you know and watch other people and when I went to Ole Miss that same year we were doing Team 7 on 7 they were interested in Rico Richardson and they had their receiver coach follow us around to every station. Oh yeah, every game we had, that guy was right there. Yeah, every game, we, and you know, and you know, he probably should have gotten a scholarship there, off of there, and because it happened in Southern Miss the same year too. But they saw a few things that um, they necessarily didn't like. But he ended up, you know, he was still probably the fast kid in the state of Mississippi mm-hmm. that runs with his entire foot touching the ground. Right. He don't run his toes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I love that kid to death, and he went on to have a great career at Jackson State. Got a couple years in the league, so um, I think he played four, maybe five years in the league. Nice. So it all worked out for him. Yeah. And we recently got a kid, I don't know if you know it or not, just got a Super Bowl ring from that. Just, really? Justin Hamilton. Really? He played half the season with the Eagles. Nice. Got traded to um, Seattle maybe week nine or whatever and uh, he got married the same day I went to the wedding back home and he got him a Super Bowl ring so as far as I know that's the first player that we have as a coach staff next they got a Super Bowl ring wow um, and my, that leads me to my next question what do you think about these all-star seven on sevens as an ex-coach I hate them right as a scout I love them to death because <laughs> I can go to a there was my first weekend back at the end of February where I was at IMG the Southeast NFA 7-on-7 on Saturday. And then I drove to Homestead on Sunday and saw the Adidas East Coast Invitational. Well, in those two days, I saw at least 150 Division One players. Wow. So, you know, for that purpose, it's great. But you see all this underhanded stuff that goes on with these things. I mean, there were two major fights this year. Uh, both both of them included a Tallahassee team in each one of them. Um, one in Gainesville and one here in Tallahassee to seven on. So the major issue with the seven on seven all-star stuff is there's not a governing body. Mm-hmm. Everybody says they're getting like AAU. No, they're nothing like AAU because AAU had guidelines and you know procedures and things like this. Anybody, I, you and I could put together a seven on seven and put it out there and we'd have teams come. Right. And and we could run different rules or whatever. I mean, that one in Gainesville didn't even have referees. <laughs> so wonder why we had a major fight in that one. But and that and that's the whole thing. When you got some associations like NFA um, that run the ones all over the country and then have the nationals and IMG, you know, they have set rules and they have they have security there and things like that because when you put 20 of the best 
uh, South Miami kids in a game with 20 of the best Tampa teams, there could be some things going on. Right. And, you know, a lot of pushing and shoving. And but, I think it all comes out of competition. Yeah. But it, it just boils over sometimes. Yeah. But, um, you know, cause I, I can remember myself, you know, when I played football, the, the guy off the field, everybody probably loved, but the guy on the field, you wouldn't like him unless you was right. on your team. And that, right. I just, because I wanted to win at, at all costs. And I can see myself, you know, wanting to win so bad and doing everything I could to win within the rules of the game. And it, it may offend somebody. Right. I was more like that that pester type person. That, well, the, the, the other big thing about seven on seven was when you take your team, Lincoln High School, to a seven on seven, if it's Florida State or, you know, uh, some other association that runs a seven on seven as your team, you're going to run what you run, right? You're going to run offense. At least you shoot. Yeah. And your defense. Now, when you get to this all-star stuff, all of them play man too deep. Mm -hmm. And in a real football game, if the offense sees man too deep, you're going to run all verticals and they're running the ball right down your throat. Yep. Because, I mean, and that's what – and they'll play with seven DBs instead of having, you know, a couple of linebackers in like you would normally do. And they're bailing as soon as the ball's hiked. Right. Well, that's that's not doing anything for your reading and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. So – And as as a receiver coach, I used to love seven on seven. Yeah. But because of some of those things you just mentioned, like you don't really have real linebackers. You you know, they put – basically they take your two backup safeties and put them in their linebackers. Um, the, the two man – which I think that's why the opening lets you have one running play to kind of negate that two man because they could do the same thing. That guy right. could end up getting 30, 40 yards just off handing them the ball. Oh, yeah. But um, I, like I say, I used, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. But now I'm getting to the point where I dislike it because I saw, um, I think, I don't know if they were doing seven on seven, but there's a recruit for Nebraska. And it just went viral a couple last week where he chokeslammed the kid. Yes. I saw and, that um, at the, it was at the Nebraska camp. And I was thinking to myself, had that been me or one of my players, there's no way the rest of that camp would have went on. Mm-hmm. As a as because this whoever that child was, his parents entrusted me to take him mm-hmm. to Nebraska or wherever the camp was mm-hmm. to be treated like that. Because so that's not that's not football. Right. Something would have been done. Either right. he'd have been out, or I'd have shut the camp down, or something. And God forbid, it'd been my child. Mm-hmm. It, it really would have got. It. But that that that's the type of stuff that's that's burning me up from seven on seven, especially when like if a receiver step back and slap a kid. Or if the, uh, the DB go choke somebody, that, mm-hmm. that stuff don't happen in football. No. And then if you do, if you are gonna do that, do that. If you're a four star, do it against another four star. Right. Don't do that against a guy that's never gonna play college football. Mm-hmm. Which you know, I don't know that kid, but that's kind of what it looked like. And I would like if he did that against a dog. If right. he get that against a Frank Laston or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. So be it. But don't 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 basically pick on somebody on side yeah. where, where I'm yeah. going. Um, as far as the uh, XOS stuff, what if if I'm a if I'm a sophomore mm-hmm. and I, I'm I'm fairly decent and I fill out your your, your prospect um, uh, roster, I mean at the prospect form. prospect form, what what else do I need to do as as, a, as an athlete to you know help my recruiting of myself? Well, the big like I talked to some people last week, the big keys are. A, you got to make sure your grades are right. Mm-hmm. You got to get with your coach, get with your guidance counselor, and make sure your core, do your core worksheet. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're taking the right core classes. It doesn't matter what your overall GPA, it matters what your core GPA is. Mm-hmm. And find out what you need to do to get that better and, and make sure you're on the right path of that. Start taking the, take the SAT and ACT early. 
find out which one you're better at. Mm-hmm. If it's the ACT, just keep taking it because like if you get a, a 18 on English and a 15 on math, the next time you take it, you get a 16 on your math. They'll take that with your highest English score and combine them. Super scoring. Super scoring. Mm-hmm. And you want to do that and get that stuff taken care of and because you can sometimes people go, "Well, I'm underrated." Well, what are your grades? Right. You know, that's a big key to these colleges is finding out. That's why all the Ivy Leagues use us, the service academies, because we find out we get your GPAs mm-hmm. and that gives them a baseline to if they want to recruit you or not. Because if if you got a 2.5 GPA, they're not recruiting you. Right. I, well, I got a friend of mine that coaches at Texas Wesleyan, mm-hmm. and he's been at a couple colleges so far. And the first thing he says when he goes into a school, he asks for the grades. Right. Because if the grade's not right, he's wasting his time mm-hmm. with anything else. And that's that's one thing kids don't really understand. They think they can wait till halfway through their junior year and senior year to make the grades. But if you if you take care of that on the front, you don't, you don't have to worry about it on the back end. Yeah, I mean, that, that everybody's worried about how many stars they have on rivals and 24-7 and, and if they're underrated or if they're getting offers their sophomore year. You know, yeah, there are offers going out for sophomores, but none of it's official. Right. I mean, even for the juniors until this summer, none of these offers that they've accumulated or until you get that official offer letter after you finish your junior letter, a junior year, that none of it's real anyway. So worry about getting your grades up. Worry about getting better with your team. Like right now, it's a dead period, mm-hmm. you know, for the next couple of weeks. Be with your team. Make sure you're doing your summer workouts, getting faster, getting stronger, you know, putting on weight if you need to put on weight, you know, things like that. I mean, because even some of the big timers, they're not resting on their laurels right now. They're they're continuing to get better. I mean, I see Morales doing things and he committed to North Carolina. Yeah. You know, there's certain things that he still needs to work on. Most definitely. And I've told him for a couple of years, mm-hmm. you know, this is what you need to work on, you know, as a tight end. Yep. And so, you know, and all your big timers are at the opening right now. They're going, they're finishing up right now in, in Dallas. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's a showcase, but they ain't going, to, they're trying to prove that they're the best out there. Right. So even if you're, you know, just a little lowing sophomore, you know, keep working hard, getting stronger, getting faster. You know, nobody can do anything about your height, right. but you can do everything <laughs> about your weight, your speed and your strength mm-hmm. and your grades mm-hmm. and, and your heart and your heart. The um, Before we get out of here, I want to give you a, get, get your opinion on this. Mm-hmm. We talked about the camps a minute ago. So would you say mega camps over individual team camps? Or kind of do both if you're allowed to do so. If if you got the money, and it all breaks down to money, right? You know, if the mega camps aren't that expensive, mm-hmm. but you do have to travel. Like the one at Mercer, you could have drip. You know, there were kids from Tally up mm-hmm. there, um, so you can go up for the day and come back. Now, ones at Kennesaw or Samford, you may have to turn it into a night trip, so mm-hmm. you'd have hotel and stuff. So that kind of plays a factor in it. But I would do those, and then then I would pick. You know, sit down with your coach. Mm-hmm. They're going to be real with you of what level you they think you can play. Go to those camps. Like if if your coach thinks you're a Division two kid, maybe a mid major, mm-hmm. go to the South Alabama prospect camp. Go to the Troy. You know, do that kind of stuff. Don't disrespect Fam you here in town either. Right. You know, a lot of kids disrespect Fam and don't go there. I mean, it's with Willie there. It's going to change. And you know, when you bring, you brought up Fam you and I, my wife uh, has got season tickets the past two years, so I think I've missed one home game. <laughs> I'm extremely excited 
to go to the games this year. Right. And even though I wasn't going for the band, I, you know, just to see the fact that they have some local kids playing, mm-hmm. which, you know, that I've coached against or seen or whatever, that is one thing that I'm excited about seeing on top of the fact that he's, I think he has a good plan, mm-hmm. of, you know, going into going in hand. And it's one of the things I thought the schools from where I'm from should do the same, like, like Alcorn. You should always have a kid from Natchez or oh, a kid yeah. from Fayette on your oh, team yeah. because, you know, that one kid or that one scholarship is going to get you probably 100 people in the stands, mm-hmm. especially if you're hurting for money. Oh, yeah. Because you're going to get mom, dad, boyfriend, I mean, I'm sorry, mom, dad, girlfriend, uh, grandparents, cousins, and, and friends. And that, mm-hmm. you get all them to come, that, that's money in your pocket. So you should always, always keep local flavor, especially oh. if you're a small school. I mean, even when I was at Lincoln, we had a couple of kids sign at Norfolk, mm-hmm. you know, just because FAMU did a poor job of recruiting kids in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw more Bethune-Cookman coaches through the springs and stuff than we saw FAMU. And, mm-hmm. you know, different staffs, because they've had three or four different staffs since I've been back in town, you know, a couple of them have done a nice job and a couple of them haven't. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it it's a big key. I mean, I saw Coach Wood last year, at, you know, at a high school game or the year before, and, you know, they did a decent job. But, you know, when you got some local flavor with Willie here, who's from this area, mm-hmm. you know, they should do a good job of, you know, keeping some of the homegrown talent instead of, you know, why go play at a 1AA somewhere else when you can play at FAM right here in town. And get a ton of love. Get yeah. a ton of love. Because oh, you'll, yeah. you'll get FAM love, and if you go over there and ball, you'll get some guys from Florida State, you know, giving you, they might not get to play over there. Right. But they show, I think those guys kind of show love to each other, especially, oh, yeah. and I think I've seen someone working out together and, mm-hmm. you know, and individual workouts and whatnot. But um, can you give me your um, social media information so people can find that prospect form and kind of follow you yeah. on what you're doing? Uh, my Twitter's Jeff underscore XOS. Um, my pen tweet has that profile thing on the top. Right. Um, and I'll retweet that again once I get out of here. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it's a matter of, you know, if – if you're within, you know, Tallahassee, you'll see me at games. Um, happy to announce we're back part of the Under Armour game. Okay. As of uh, two weeks ago, so you know we'll we'll be doing. I won't be at as many Tallahassee games as I usually am because mm-hmm. it's easy to go to Gene Cox Stadium. Right. Um, but I'll be. I'll at least see everybody at least once. But I'll be traveling around. You know, shoot in the sip. There's a. <laughs> there's like what five to nine kids that are committed to the Under Armour game. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I'm going Saturday to the varsity preps camp in, at Heinz Community College so I can, you know, see Dewan Black and mm-hmm. some of those, Nicobe Dean and some of those cats from the SIP. Coach, that, that kid you just called Dean, oh. he was at uh, Horn Lake, when Horn I, Lake before I left. Yeah. And we beat the crap out of them, but we cannot block that kid. No. As, and I think he was a freshman. Yeah. Coach. Yeah. He run around like a running back. At, at linebacker mm-hmm. and making almost every tackle, and he's tackling Colin Hill now. Yeah, so it's 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 crazy to see him because I think he's grown four or five inches since I left too. Yeah, because he what he's sitting at about six one, six two maybe. Yeah, I think he's uh, pushing six two. Yeah, he was he wasn't that tall at the yeah. time. Now, he ran around, but he wasn't that tall. Right. And don't you know? I know this is people from Florida are probably gonna listen to this, but don't 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 sleep on the, the sip now. We got a lot oh. of good ballers from over there. Yeah, and I I think, and this is me being biased, I think probably you you. Two best running backs gonna be from Mississippi in college this year. What What are your two best? Cam and and, and Kyler. Yeah. And, and college football. Now okay. they may not be one two. They right. may be 
two and five yeah. or four and five, yeah. and because I'm make you know, and you know, I'm gonna go to some Florida State games reluctantly, and just so I can see Cam. I support Cam, and I also support what what Willie's doing over there too. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much it for this episode of Sip the Taylor Podcast. Make sure you go follow Jeff, uh, fill out that prospect uh, survey form, uh, get your grades up, get in the weight room, get on the track, get your game up because uh, the tape don't lie. I appreciate everybody for listening. Another episode of Sip the Taylor Podcast. We out.